Thank you for tuning in to Trevor Talks Podcast, where we talk to real people about real topics and real stories. Today's guest is somewhat of a multi-talented individual. Not only is he a bearded wonder, but he is one of the biggest names in Christian music. His brand new album, Milk and Honey, just released and is currently living on the top of my Apple Music playlist. And we're just excited to have him today. Today, we've got Mr. David Crowder on the show. David, welcome. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me, man. This is awesome. It's good to yeah. see you again, too. You Dude, know, it's, we have history. Yeah, we've got quite a bit of history getting locked up on airplanes for about four <laughs> hours, almost missing festivals. I forgot um, about that one. Um, that was kind of, yeah, it was kind of intense there, wasn't it? It was it was pretty intense, but at the end of the night after your set, I was running out on stage to kind of hype everybody up, and we kind of had that eye lock moment. It's like we made it, we made it, we, we made it. it. <laughs> they have no canceled. idea. Yeah, no, nah, we kind of missed out on the we got the short end of the stick because the rest of the band got on a, their own little private plane to get there, so uh, we ended up staying on Delta. But it was it was good to go. But you just had a new record come out. We did, man, and um, we barely. I mean. Well, that's so crazy. It's always a sprint. We had what when when we locked down. It was probably it's probably a year and a half from the moment I was told to go home off the road, and that's plenty of time to come up with a record. And so it's like, and every time I'm doing an album, it's it's at the very end. You're like, why am why why am I like not sleeping this last week? And it, this should not be this hard. This work should not be this hard. And sure enough, the same deal, man. It's like sprint to the end, uh, but we got it out just in time, and and uh, super happy to have it out in the world finally. Well, it just debuted at number one on the Christian charts in the U.S. Billboard. That's, that's, that's crazy. Great. That's great, huh? It it's pretty great. I'm sure the record label is happy. I yeah, bet yeah. you look happy. You may I'm, play man, it I'm off. Smiling. Yeah, I'm smiling. <laughs> I love the songs, man. I'm so excited about the songs and and um. But the same same deal, man. Music's best when it's happening in the air with people in the room. So I'm ready to get back out and make make noise in front of folks. It's it's way more fun that way. Yeah, and this album, just like the other three, has its own kind of unique sound, and I really want to dive into that. This has more of the ambient choir with mm, some folk tronic in there you know yeah. um it almost feels like it's hip-hop inspired is that true the, yeah i kind of started down that road a little bit on uh i know a ghost well not a little bit a lot of bit um the last record before this one wanted i made it in a totally different way i just had a bunch of people send me beats as if yeah we're <laughs> as if i were a hip-hop artist which i am not um but man it was so freeing to write a different way and so coming into this album i was hoping to take what i had learned with that experience and then then sort of do a blend of the two you know know what foundational elements may or may not be there in the track um and have the freedom to start with track if i wanted to um but at the same time write in a more traditional way with the track creation being a part of the writing cr writing process and and so it feels like a much more cohesive sound than I've than I've gotten to thus far in the in the uh, solo endeavor. You know, I'm always trying to grow as a a, a techie nerd. I love studio gear and, and kind of a gearhead, and and uh, I, I love poking around at stuff. But it's so difficult to take um, what what is interesting to me in a moment and make it um, function. And in a, in a way that supports something that a lot of people can connect to. Like I might be geeking out over a particular sound 
and be lost in it for a, <laughs> a day or two and and nobody even cares you know what i mean it's yeah. like no that the first hi-hat would have been just fine crowder so i think there's a there's a part of the songwriting process and the creation of the music process that is is a letting go and um i think that's part of what i'm getting a little bit better at <laughs> and you OCD say these a terrible thing, <laughs> man. I, I I can't say I can relate with that, but I totally get it. Dude. <laughs> but okay, okay. you say you're not a rapper, but yeah, I do. I do. There have been occasions yeah. I've, I've tried to uh, I call it uh, talking in time, you know, <laughs> talking, talking fast in time out loud. And uh, so I have done that on a couple of occasions, but it, it doesn't I don't fancy myself as a rapper. No, you, you, you throw a beat and, and, and a microphone and say, go, I, you're not going to, it's not going to be a good rap. You, know? you went out a banjo. <laughs> you went yeah, out that, a banjo. It's a different deal. Yeah. Different thing. Yeah. Yeah. But you have Holvey on this latest record and that song actually surprised me because I didn't look at the track listing before I started listening to it. The right. day it came out, I was like, I got to hear this, man. <laughs> um, and uh, we it's had a little rowdy. Yeah, it's a little rowdy, but it it's on brand for you. You set out on this Crowder endeavor um, from the David Crowder band to do something more personal for yourself, but it, it's really amplifying the voice of the church. All of your songs are really, 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 really just unique in their own way. You can play them on the front porch. You can play them on Sunday service. Like, mm-hmm. let's go. What's... What's the whole process behind that? What did the writing process look like going into Crowder, like Neon Steeple, and how has it progressed as you've gone on? Yeah, um, I didn't. I, I just knew that I liked making music for the church. I, you know, after the um, other endeavor came, after David Crowder asterisk band came to an end, I didn't know if it was music that was. I didn't know if that was what I still need to be doing. And uh, I, initially, I started. You know, since I love music, I just found myself around the you know house writing country songs, and they were just pretty easy to. I, I enjoyed it; it was just pretty fun, and I hadn't ever really written anything outside of church music, and these things were just kind of coming. And I was like, "This is interesting. Maybe I maybe I could do this kind of thing for a bit and be a a writer or something." And and I just there wasn't a satisfaction in it. It was like fun, but it felt like uh, it just felt fun, and and there wasn't like a a, a a purpose that was felt felt like I'm 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 playing my role and the way I'm put together I'm I'm aiding the endeavors of the community of faith I'm in and, and so I just realized there's a there's a deeper level of satisfaction that I get particularly when I feel like I'm serving a function for the church and and specifically I moved to Atlanta Georgia and I was part of Passion City Church there and and I just found myself like you know it's like Who's going to bring the casserole dish on Wednesday? It's like, I, I feel like I, I feel like I'm supposed to bring what, how I'm put together um, to aid our, our endeavors as a community. And, and I'm, I'm musically inclined and, and I want to help in that way. And so I, I, I then knew, okay, I'm not done with this because it still feels like there, there are things I can say uniquely for our group of people. And, and um, I have the uh, people around me that are still encouraged me to do it. You know, uh, my, my pastor and his wife are, have been super uh, a part of my life since uh, I started making music. And they're like, we think we're with you. If you if you feel like you're still supposed to be doing this, we're, we're with you. And and um, so we 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 geared up again and went at it. And it was really much more of a, a total restart than I 
than I thought it would be. You know, it's probably a a couple of year lag between the end of uh, the David Crowder band and and this solo thing. And I just figured, well, you know, my name was in the first one, <laughs> so surely people would be interested in what I'd do next. No, it wasn't like that. It was like starting all over, uh, which was really kind of fun and freeing. And and um, it's been so it's been a building process of of finding what sounds I was interested in at the time. Um, as far as musicians go, the door was wide open where in the past we were very insular and it was just, you know, us that were, we were basically the church band in Waco, Texas at our church. And it was us that were in the studio together making the music. So, uh, you know, as a collective of, of the six of us. And then, and then now it was like, okay, well, who do you want to play guitar on this? I'm like, Oh my gosh, never, never thought about that before. Cause we always just had, you know, uh, Jack or, Sally or Mark or somebody sitting around that was playing guitar. And so that, that became really enjoyable in the sense of uh, I've had a lot of friends that are musicians that I've admired for years and I'd give them a holler and be like, Hey, could you come over <laughs> and, and play a bit on my record? And, and so that was, it was really fun to, to have music um, be a, a way that um, I, I used to, I used to say, it was incredible to have music coming out of relationship, which was ha- what was happening in the previous entity. And then here it's been, I've formed a lot of really incredibly deep relationships through music and, and um, it's been beautiful. So I've got, um, I've gotten to have uh, now the fourth record with a lot of different people that I think are just absolutely brilliant at what they do. And I, I feel like in a sense it's, it's uh, hopefully rubbed off on me a little bit and I've, I've grown from where I was when we started this thing. That's always the hope is that we're growing and headed somewhere. Yeah. And one of those deep relationships you hinted on a little bit earlier, uh, a lot of people don't know that Louie and Shelly Giglio actually were one of those key people in your life back in 96 when it was time to start creating a record. Totally. Uh, They kind of took you under their wing and invested a lot into that. When And and with no... um, I moved to Waco to go to school about the time they were leaving Waco. They had been, Shelly was, went to Baylor um, and Baylor's what took me to Waco, Texas to go to school there. But um, Shelly had been to Baylor. Um, Louie had, had started a, a weekly Bible study called choice that every, I mean, it was packed. It was like, you know, 1500 college kids every week. And it was amazing, but his dad was um, ailing in health. And so he, he felt like he was supposed to go, back to Atlanta, Georgia, where he had grown up and, and take care of his dad in his final days. And, and so he packed up everything and, and, and shut the choice thing down and, um, and was headed home. And then his dad died before he got like there and was like, Oh my gosh. So, so like, why would I feel like God moving me to back home? And I shut everything we'd invested, you know, 10 years of our lives in Waco, Texas. And now, why, why, why would he want me to go back home to Atlanta, Georgia? And out of that moment of what in the world were you leading us, um, passion conferences came that vision for collegiate students on a, a more national scale to get together. Um, it was pretty, it's just crazy to me how, when you look backwards to see how God was active. So he's, he's kind of headed down that road. He's no longer in Waco and our paths crossed through song, um, again, um, uh, he he gave me a call. I was, I was on staff at that church, in, or on a, on staff at the church in Waco that was mostly college co- kids. But I was so I was in the office one day, which I don't. I was rarely in the office. I have no idea why I was in the office. I was I was the worst employee ever. But um, I'm in the office and the phone rings and they say, "Hey, somebody's on the phone for you, Crowder." And it's Louis Giglio, 
He says, Hey man, my name's Louie. And I'm like, ah, very familiar with you. Uh, he goes, well, I'm starting this deal, this, uh, college conference deal is we're going to do it down in Austin. It's our second time to go for it. And, and we've recorded a live CD and want to use some of your songs on this live CD. And I'm like, how in the world did you hear any of my songs? You know, I was just, it's a little church in Waco and, and somehow the songs had leaked out a bit. And, and he's like, well, we have, and, and we'd love to have it. And I'm like, that sounds awesome. So we started a friendship then. And, and then over the years that, developed into like now he, now I'm going to his church in Atlanta, Georgia and his and his wife Shelly is my manager and, and they started the Six Steps label and it all came out of um them trying to foster and steward folks like Matt Redman and Chris Tomlin and these guys that were writing songs for the church to sing and they wanted to give them space um to do what they felt like God was calling them to do without getting, you know, sucked into the machine of whatever, you know, label music, uh, commercialism, all that stuff. It's just like, Hey, let Chris Tomlin be Chris Tomlin and let's find a space and a way for him to create at, and as well, a platform for his music to get to the world. And, and that's still kind of what they're up to today as well as, as well as a leading the church community in, in Atlanta. That, that sounds like a busy schedule. And, uh, I think it's really cool that your relationship with them has lasted so long, especially when it comes to music. I know when you find people that you want to work with, it's it's something that you want to keep and steward and last as a friendship, but also a business partnership. But I think it would be an injustice to listeners not to dive a little bit deeper into your story um, before 96, before the David Crowder Asterix yeah. band kind of took off, you were at Baylor, but before then, what did, what was it like being David Crowder growing up? You obviously didn't have the beard your whole life, which <laughs> now it kind of seems like it, it but does, doesn't it? yeah. What, what happened before that beard started popping out, man? <laughs> man, I had a, uh, my, my parents are, were awesome. We had a, a great child. I have a, a brother that's five years younger than me and we were really great. Uh, pals um uh we lived kind of out in the country um uh wound up with a a bit of land that had you know horses and cows and you know our, our chores started really early in the morning with we had i mean just crazy chickens and and you know that whole deal go get the eggs i mean it was, it was like it was legit it was a lot of work and and uh at one point i had i had a number of horses that i sold and when i got in high school i, I sold our horses my horses and got us a a, a, a family ski boat. <laughs> so <laughs> I was no longer a cowboy, and instead we were lake rats. And and um and then so most of our weekends early on were spent at some sort of livestock get together. And then by the time I was in high school, it was I was always out at the lake, but but very much outdoors all the time. And and uh, my my parents were pretty. Uh, they were, we were, they, they instilled in us a good work, work ethic is what I would say. I think they were like, I think they had us for a while. I, me and my, my brother would joke. I think that they, they just figured they needed hands around the, <laughs> the uh, properties. They just needed some hands to help out. And, uh, and so we figured that I figured I'd bust up the system by getting a boat <laughs> and it would cut down on the workload. Oh man. So we had, it was, it was a great childhood. Um, um, my parents are super devout in their faith and, and, um, uh, every, uh, my, my friends would come over to spend the night with me and they were super, uh, 
excited and kind of freaked out that that we ate every meal together. And at the end of the meal, at, at the end of the dinner, my dad would pull out uh, one of these books, these, these Bible story books. There were these blue books and a series of them. And we would he would read a Bible story and then we would pray. And then and then it was on to whatever frivolity that we were going to get into <laughs> for the rest of the evening. But it was that was that was every night um, the same thing. My um, my mom had. We didn't have we didn't have much money, so my mom we we had the same meals every week. We had like like Tuesday nights meatloaf. I hate meatloaf. I I mean, my mom can't make meatloaf. It's a terrible it's a terrible thing. <laughs> but it was every Tuesday and every Wednesday is spaghetti night. It's not spaghetti. I I, I wound up getting to spend the night with a friend one time and uh, early on and. And I'm like, what's this? And he says, that's spaghetti. I'm like, this, that's not spaghetti. We have spaghetti every Wednesday. He goes, this is totally spaghetti. I'm like, this is really good. This is not what we eat on Wednesdays. What this did she do? Take we, the meatloaf and grind know. it up? We think that might be part of it. It was sort of these 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 noodles floating in like a, a pink liquid. It was oh. it was bad. Oh, it's just really bad. It was it was not good. Um, but we yeah, government cheese. Uh, that was a big deal. Um, you know, you try to make a a sandwich out of the cheese and you cut through it and just kind of burst into like a powder of cloud cloud powder and you need to kind of collect the cloud <laughs> powder put it on the bread Ugh. if you want to make a grilled cheese or something yeah fake mashed potatoes it was, it was intense man I, when milk would go on, this is another thing that freaked my friends out it's like when milk would go on sale my dad would buy all of it <laughs> and i'm like it's on sale because it's like expired bro and then <laughs> what are you saving like a nickel and then he would freeze it he would freeze it We'd have like milk, this gallons of milk in the deep freeze because it was a good price. And then you'd have to let it thaw in the fridge. And let me tell you, it thaws at different, <laughs> whatever milk's made of, it thaws at different consistencies where there were layers to it. You know, you had to shake it every time you go. Did it last long after well, you freeze it? Does it restart I, the clock? What's that look like? It restarted it to whatever the date was that he bought it at, <laughs> but you don't know because it's like that's date's gone. So it was, yeah. it was always a, it was a, it was a, a guessing game when you went to get a bowl of breakfast. It was tough. It was hard out there, man. That's what I'm saying. Maybe the Dude. man. I, that's why I have a beard. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, gotta have something to catch out rotten milk. Yeah. Now, what did your dad do for a living? He was an insurance agent. He he owned his own insurance agency, and um and you know everybody loves their insurance agent. <laughs> Nobody likes seriously. No, uh, people loved him, man. He was, he was, he was. Uh, I thought he was the coolest guy on the planet, and I, that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to. I would go up to his office after school and and um, just watching, you know, early on watching work. And eventually, I was, man, I was giving car quotes at like age eleven. <laughs> They're like, that's very similar to me. My dad owned an appliance store. I was. I learned how to sell, and I never stopped. Let's go. <laughs> there you go. That's it, man. <laughs> It was it was contagious. I mean, he had the he had the office with the wood paneling, and uh, this is you know the eighties or whatever, and and wood paneling had the wallpaper with the forest scene behind him. <laughs> you know, he looks like he's just working from from in the forest. Had that phone with the shoulder holster thing holder on it. And I just too bad needs. they didn't have Zoom back then, man. Yeah, we could be seeing him right now. Yeah, right now. <laughs> That's wild. I can't. I can't imagine you working in an insurance office. I'm gonna be honest. I could get it done. I could have got it done. Um, Yeah, music was just something that um, neither my mom nor my dad 
were musically inclined. My mom's family was, and she played like clarinet when she was growing up, but you know, in her words and her family's words badly <laughs> or poorly. Mm. Um, and, uh, and, and yet, um, their family would, every time they would get together, they would all bring their instruments and uncle Lester had composed the piece and had written everybody's parts out and they would get together the family band. And, and my mom, I guess would squeak out some stuff on the clarinet, but, um, it was, it was very amazing. I think to have like a, a, a group of people that you call, your own get together every year and, and play music as part of their, their um, bonding is <laughs> yeah. pretty great. So it's in there somewhere, but I just, uh, you know, it wasn't anything that anybody would have thought like, Hey, you know, when you grow up, David, we really hope that you pursue music. <laughs> First of all, I don't think any parent ever tells their kids this because it's just, no. a, yeah, to have, to have it pay any bills uh, is probably as, as uh, fortunate as winning the lottery or something. But um yeah, somehow we wound up getting the skill set together. And I, I kept telling my dad early on, I was like, man, I'm still coming. This, the, it's, when they'll stop calling, I'll be there, you know. And, and uh, eventually I said, I don't think they're going to stop. I think we're going to have to move on. So he sold the place and I don't have anything to fall back on now. So I've got to make yeah. this. <laughs> this, is a, this is your no plan B. And yeah. how how old were you when you first picked up an instrument and started playing it? Because you play the well, guitar, the banjo, the piano, and you do it all very well, by the way. Well, um, I'll, I'll poke at anything around. And, um, and, and well, so to answer the question, my, my mom had inherited, I don't know whose piano it was that she had inherited, but uh, we had a piano in the house, but it was one of those deals like, don't touch it, you know, when you're a kid, it's like, don't touch that, you know, but you're also, it's like, it's like the thing you're told not to touch and it also makes noise. And so you're going to touch it. It's like just a given. Yeah. Don't tell David not to touch it. And so I started banging around on it and getting in trouble. And then eventually my mom was like, I, I think I recognized that tune. And so she was, she, she was at least aware enough to notice that I had an ear. And so got me some lessons and I hated them. Um, but she made me go and, and, uh, I guess that's where things started for me. And then by the time I was in college, I really, I, I loved music and, and, but again, not for a career set. Uh, but I was, so I was getting a, a BA, which is like a, a cheap music degree. And it was my, my emphasis was in music. Um, and I got to study everything else. As long as I could pass an entrance exam, I was like, this is great. And I already, so I was studying for that while going to school and then the church started and, and I, like I said, being somewhat musically inclined, the guy that was starting, it's like, Hey man, can you help me out? And I was like, that's a bad idea. And, <laughs> and here we are <laughs> pastors. I, I say it all the time. Pastors are the most manipulative people on the planet. You know, I, <laughs> they get that, to do anything practically, you know, if they can lead people to Christ and I'm not saying they're selling the gospel or anything, but you got to be <laughs> somewhat of a salesman to, just encourage people to, you know, you got the Jehovah's Witnesses, like no shade on them. They come to your door. There's some salesmen. They're like, can I tell you about the Lord Jesus Christ? And it's like, uh, <laughs> no. <laughs> so for someone to actually be able to sit there and especially as talented as yourself and Louis Giglio, you know, to keep people coming, that, that's a talent. 
That is of long, long talent. And you've also had such a long track record with music and everything. And obviously starting young, um, it is like winning the lottery to be able to do this. And at the scale that God's given you the ability to do it at, um, the pandemic hit while you were on Winter Jam. And uh, I'm curious, what did that last week look like? Were you seeing a fluctuation in crowd sizes? Were Christian. Oh no, man! Um, it was blowing. It was it was blowing up. We were having the best time ever, and um, we were in Louisville, Kentucky, and and you know, it was really early on. Nobody knew what was going on. We knew um, that weekend that we were out. We were headed to Ohio, and Ohio was one of the first states to kind of shut things down. So we knew, all right, we might not make it to Columbus, but we're in Kentucky. <laughs> you know, surely we'll be fine in Kentucky. But no, uh, I mean we we had like I said. Sound check had already happened, and and um, we got word that afternoon. Hey, pack it up. We're going home this weekend's busted. And as I said, with not knowing what was coming, everybody thought, ah, well, maybe next weekend. So we'll we'll play it by ear, see what next weekend holds. And then it's like, well, maybe the next week. Then you know, it's then it's like, hey, you know, flatten the curve, shut down fourteen days. No, a year and a half later, we're still, you know, we're still trying to figure it out. So. We didn't, you know, it was a surprise for everybody for sure. And I, I hate to say, you know, speaking of winning the lottery and, and getting to do what you love to do, it's, it's really amazing that I get to do this. It truly is to not, not only that I love music, but that I get to find that fulfillment of, of knowing I'm put together in a particular way and I'm using the way that I'm, that I'm put together in a particular way to aid in, in the story of the gospel being, um, understood and 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 appreciated and and shaping how we think about one another as well as as god all through music it's just it, it's really a, amazing i don't want to use the word uh you know words that I, I took it for granted but i think all of us had no clue that 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 could just be shut down overnight and so i know that there's a, a great sense of gratitude and and excitement when when we get back together it does feel really special um feels like something pretty profound and sacred and and i hope that feeling stays as uh, it has to in a in a in a vague sense in the least just because you know all of this could be gone overnight Mm -hmm. and and that the church can gather is uh is a pretty special thing Mm. and uh you've already gotten to go back out and do a little bit of touring uh you did the winter jam weekends how was it how was the energy just getting back out after being cooped up for someone like you that's touring all of the time? I can imagine being off for a year and a half. You were just a loose cannon. How did that feel? <laughs> well, it was it actually it was kind of nice to slow down for a second. Uh, it really was. Um, you know, now that we're on the other side of it and we could say, thank God we are. Um, it was it looking backwards. It was really amazing to be able to slow the pace a bit and and you know we were making an album but at the same time there was a, a sacredness in the solitude i guess is how i would say it um but my goodness it's not just me everybody in the room when we got back out like everybody everybody's wound up and glad to be back out of the house i promise that and and especially when you as i said getting to sing together as a church it was it was tough on churches had to adapt and 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 a lot of things moved online and and man as soon as you're able to get back together and uh and and it feels like the family of god uh that's that's what we're made for i believe and and so it's it's much better thing to be in a room 
with another person than to be on the other side of a Zoom call, right? <laughs> oh, for sure. I wish we could have done this in person. That studio is phenomenal. Now, when <laughs> did you learn any interior design while you were out? Um, oh, no, 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 no. Uh, that's my wife's, uh, it's, it's in her territory, um, which she's amazing at it. But uh, I did, I did get to, um, she just makes, she tries to make me feel involved with things, you know, like, uh, and I'm, I'm on to her now, but it'd be like, um, which you know, she'll, she'll put out some, some color swaps or swabs or something. And it'd be like, uh, which one do you think? And I, I like, I, I like that red. She's like, that's not the right one. And I'm like, okay, what about the, what about the, the, the brown one? That's the right one. I'm like, okay. Throw some so I'm neon not, in I'm there. not even, a, I'm not even a part of the deal, you know, but she's making me feel like I am. You know, it's like, that's the wrong answer. Okay. Tell me what the right one is. It's this one. Okay. Let's go with that one. <laughs> okay. Does she Good help choice. out with any of the live set designs or anything like that? Uh, oh, she she has an influence in all of all the stuff I'm doing. Anything that looks cool, I'm probably it's probably her fault. Um, so she designed the front porch, really? No, she had she will tell you <laughs> she had nothing to do with that. She says that's all of me. Yeah, that thing was a beast. That was trouble. Um, no one that's around me and that works with me appreciated the porch because it's a, it was really difficult to haul around, and you know it, it caused lots. Tin can cut really quickly with a tin roof, you know, in the back of the trailer. You got to be very careful. It caused much, much injury and, and it was not, it's not on the road anymore for lots of reasons. Well, it definitely had its season and Kenny Rogers, she's still doing all right. I'm assuming. Is she in a road case or is she at the house? She, she's uh, actually in a road case. She, she lives in the road case and, and that's great. You know, you can't do that with a lot of, of, of pets. It's yeah. It's It'll like, I ain't got a feeder. It's yeah. Just so everybody knows that's a, it's a taxidermied Arctic Fox named Kenny Rogers that we, we take with us every, we, we like to say that we go where she goes, you know, she's our <laughs> fearless leader and she's the cheapest of all of us in catering. You know, her catering uh, bill is pretty yep. minimal and she's well behaved and does everything I tell her to do. It's pretty great, man. That's, that's something there. Kenny, uh, she's a beautiful one. Yeah, the but... more people ask about it, the more questions you have about her, uh, the, the more confusing it gets. So, you know, so the, ba- the basic I- explanation is when we had the front porch, a friend of mine, you know, I'd come up with a front porch thing that, you know, lasers shoot out of the windows of, and it looks like you walked the Cracker Barrel or something. And, <laughs> and, and, uh, the, my friend's like, man, you can't have a proper porch without a proper dog. And I'm like, aha, I have just the thing. <laughs> and so Kenny came out with us and became sort of a mascot of sorts. It legitimizes what we're doing when we say we're making porch music. That's it's she makes the it and, and the reason it's a girl dog is named ahead of time it, you know it looks it's, it's white it's arctic fox and so of course uh i think my brother i don't remember who named it but uh somebody started calling it kenny rogers and and then my brother's one i think pointed out said that's obviously a girl dog and then you know for obvious reasons it, and it was too late so it stuck with kenny man that's phenomenal and so you've gone from neon steeple to american prodigal to I know a ghost to now milk and honey. What's next for David Crowder? Man, I, like like you said earlier, I cannot wait to get out and tour these things. I can't wait to be singing these songs with you know sitting sitting in the basement here, uh, thinking of of groups of people singing together. And I can't wait to actually get to get to go do that. And and like 
like I said earlier, we've we've had a couple of moments, but when we get to be out on tour again and do it night after night, it's gonna be a it's gonna be an absolute miracle. <laughs> I yes. see it on the calendar, but I don't believe it till we're there. You know, <laughs> you just we'll announced see. a tour with uh, um, what was it? Um, Sean Curran. Yeah, Sean Curran, which is, you know, he's another of the PCC, you know, church rats around here. And I love him of what he's been doing. And and uh, so I can't wait. We're going to have a great time. He's a great dude. Man, that's sick. I'm going to have to come out and catch that one. And uh, where can people find you on social media? Um, uh, crowd, look up Crowder. <laughs> look deal. up Crowder. I'm sure. It's, yeah. You had to do a Google search and just enter Crowder and it'll probably be, I don't know if it's Crowder. I don't know where it is. Crowder music or they just Crowder. Crowder music, but they can, they could type it in the search engine too. You know, sometimes it's Crowder. I think on Instagram it's Crowder's and then I think somewhere else it's Crowder music. I, I don't know, man. That pretty much sums it up. <laughs> I'll put uh, the link in the description for that. But everybody can find Milk and Honey on all streaming platforms. And I'd highly encourage you to go to CrowderMusic.com and purchase that thing because, you know, that just helps keep the boat going a little bit further. But, David, man, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to do this. It's Absolutely. Uh, Good to see you again and, and great to chat and catch up a little bit. It's awesome. Yeah, hopefully we run e- into each other on the live circuit eventually. But That would uh, be wonderful. Hopefully it's not like, you know, in circumstances where we're blazing to get somewhere. <laughs> yeah, stuck on a plane for, what, three hours? Ah. And we had to be at the airport at 4.30. That's one thing we failed to say. But, man, um, yeah, it's it's been a pleasure to have you on. And uh, thank you to all the listeners for tuning in. Yet again, it's uh, pretty phenomenal to get to speak with people I grew up listening to. And I know everyone else loves you. You're one of our top requested guests that we've had. But, yeah, thank you all for listening. And uh, thank you to New Release Today for making this interview happen yet again on the new release today podcast network and we will talk to you guys next week you're fearfully and wonderfully made god looks at your heart not your gene size do you know the verses yet still stress over your body oh i get it i was raised in church but i struggled with food eating disorders and my body for decades i'm heather creekmore host of the compared to you podcast where we talk about all things body image and comparison from a biblical perspective we get real about the pressure to focus on appearance in a culture where looks seem to matter most whether you're wrestling wrinkles or battling the scale compared to who is the show for you you'll laugh a little and be encouraged a lot if you're ready to stop comparing and start living visit lifeaudio.com to listen and subscribe